Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to the Black Health Lit Podcast, where we focus on Black health issues and education. I'm your host, Rachel Ray Crowder. Today's episode is titled Black Teen Health. On this episode, I had a conversation with Dr. Beverly Shepard, who is the Department Chair of Pediatrics at Advantage Care Physicians. We discussed the impact and importance of pediatrics in the African-American community and how Black history starts with caring for our children. While you're here, make sure you check out the show notes for resource links related to today's topic. And I hope you enjoy listening to the Black Health Lit podcast. But as always, I have to remind you that this is not a replacement for the advice of your licensed clinical professional. Tune in, get educated, be inspired, live healthy. All right, welcome back to the Black Health Lit Podcast. Today, we are talking about teen health, Black teen health, and I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Beverly Shepard. Before we get into the topic, can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Beverly Shepard. I'm a pediatrician. I have been practicing pediatrics for the past, oh, God, 30, at least 35 years in the New York metropolitan area. I'm currently the chair of the Department of Pediatrics for Advantage Care Physicians, which is a primary and specialty care uh, medical group in New York City and Long Island. Uh, I oversee approximately 35 to 40 pediatricians, uh, ensuring that we deliver that uh, health care, uh, quality health care to, uh, uh, to both infants, young children, school-age children, adolescents, and young adults. Okay. Awesome. So I'm really excited to talk with you today. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not had a guest talk about teens or pediatrics. So today's topic will be a new one for my audience. And so Mm -hmm. to just open it up, I'd like to start with, you know, in your experience, what are some of the biggest health challenges facing Black teens in 2022? Okay. Well, You know, Ray, I I think one of the biggest health challenges facing teenagers, uh, adolescents, if you will, for 2022 is the problem with uh, obesity, adolescent obesity. Now, obesity is a problem throughout the United States, throughout, uh, you know, nationally with all all, uh, races and all nationalities. But there is a higher proportion of obesity among uh, African-Americans, if you will, uh, with African-American women having the highest percentage of obesity in the United States. So adolescent obesity leads to adult obesity as does childhood obesity. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the areas that I think that um, we need to address uh, in terms of educating families, if you will, not just the adolescent, but you want to start educating early. You want to start educating those parents, the moms, you know, moms when they're pregnant to eat healthy, as well as, you know, healthy eating when the child is born, uh, at the toddler age, school age, so that by the time they're adolescents, they're in that healthy weight. And oftentimes we're not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of children and adolescents who are overweight, who are obese. Uh, one of the other health issues that I think that our adolescents are facing today that is, um, you know, critical is mental health. 
Yeah. Mental health is 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 uh, critical with regards to uh, uh, African American adolescents. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of depression and anxiety, and of course, I don't have to tell you between the pandemic, between yeah. uh, what we've seen with regards to George Floyd and and Breonna yeah. Taylor. You know, our our adolescents uh, feel under you know under the gun, if you will, and yeah. um, we as 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 healthcare providers need to try to provide an outlet for them to express those fears number one absolutely uh, and 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 sort of impart to them coping mechanisms if you will and be able to make that referral to to behavioral health uh professionals if you will to help guide that adolescent through this very turbulent time we all know that adolescence is 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 tough and confusing even without those external pressures you know your body's changing you're going from being a child under the you're dependent upon your parents you're reaching that autonomy and trying to uh do your own decision making and then and and that's stressful in itself so when you add on those other external factors pandemics and 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 at police brutality and yeah. the systemic racism that you you see and the disparity in healthcare it of course can lead to anxiety depression and 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 just basically uh, acting out if you will and making the wrong choices Absolutely. So let's break mm-hmm. that down. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the parents. Mm-hmm. That is huge. You mm-hmm. know what? What your mom eats, you eat. What your dad prepares, you eat, and it, right. it stays with us all That's the way. Right. You know, our whole lives. So I was very blessed and fortunate to have a registered nurse for our mom, mm-hmm. and um, she would go on these these tangents when we were kids. <laughs> she would she we would be eating like a normal American diet, and mm-hmm. then she would come home and be like, "All right, I'm going to the health food store, and we're eating nothing refined." So she would get rid of the like the white sugar, white flour, white rice, and so. <laughs> As kids, mm-hmm. we hated that. We'd be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You, you're taking away the good stuff here. All the good stuff is that stuff that's refined and addictive. It's my Captain right? Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but fast forward at 35, mm-hmm. I am building out my little apothecary. I've got my herbs, my supplements, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. So it carried yeah. forward into my adulthood, just like um, if, you grew up, you know, drinking Kool-Aid and, and, or eating refined and processed foods, then more than likely you're going to fast forward 35, 45, 55, 75, you're going to eat, you know, the same things that you grew up on. Like my grandmother who still, if the chicken's not fried, right. She not eating it. (laughs) But she she was born in 44. um, And Mm -hmm. you, she's had all types of, you know, heart issues. So I think the mm-hmm. parents is a great place to start, Correct. like you said, and it starts in the womb. Yes. When you're talking about pediatrics, uh, you know, the health of our peas and our yes. teens, right? That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. While that woman is pregnant, while that lady is pregnant, yeah, she needs to get counseling regard is with regards to what is healthy eating, ensuring that she's getting those fresh fruits and vegetables, those whole grains, that she's staying away from those processed foods. Because as that fetus is developing inside of you, that brain development is also taking place. So you want to be mm-hmm. you want this child to be optimal at birth. Okay. Yeah. So 
once that baby is born, there's a lot of brain development that's taking place that those first two years of life. So you want to ensure that they're getting the, the proper nutrients to ensure that you have a, a, a well-functioning brain yeah. uh, as we move into childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. So yes, you're absolutely right. It starts with the parents. And then there's the modeling behavior, because you're right. If the parents are drinking Kool-Aid, the children will drink Kool-Aid. So for myself as a, as a healthcare professional, it's educating, 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 talking, yeah. talking, talking, you know, sending uh, patients to various resources, um, you know, websites, things like that, Healthy Kids Doc, healthychildren.org, which comes out from the American Academy of Pediatrics, which okay. has tons of resources on healthy eating, things such as that, that parents can uh, healthy, you know, normal growth and development, if you will. Uh, you know, ensuring that parents have that knowledge and just talking with them. I mean, mm -hmm. I have parents who sometimes come in the office and the baby's got a bottle, the toddler's got a bottle and there's like green, red stuff in it. And it's like, oh what's my what's goodness, this red? it's some punch, it's some sort of punch that they're, yeah. so then we have to have that discussion about, you know, this is not really healthy. It's basically sugar and water. The sugar is rotting away the baby's, you know, baby teeth. And those teeth have to be with the child up until age six. When you start yep. losing those deciduous teeth and you get your permanent teeth, uh, it leads to the obesity and just the lack of nutrients that the child is not receiving and they're getting full off of something that is not, has no nutritional benefit whatsoever. So yeah. having those conversations over and over again with our parents. Uh, one of the problems though, as you know, you know, when you talk about our communities, many of our black communities, we have what we call food deserts. Oh, There's yeah. nowhere to <laughs> find healthy food, if yep. you will, you know, and that's a real problem. I mean, I can, you know, I, I work uh, in um, Queens and I'm in an inner city, in the inner city area. And I remember one time I went out to, I didn't bring my lunch. I usually bring lunch to work. So I didn't bring lunch that day. Mm -hmm. And there's a McDonald's near my office. So I said, I'm going to go into the McDonald's because they used to have this lovely Woo! salad. No salad. I was going for the salad. They had this nice <laughs> Southwestern salad. Delicious. Delicious. Okay. 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 It's not there anymore. <laughs> Just to let you know. So I stood online and I waited and waited and for, to get my salad. And when I got to the front, I said, okay, I'd like the Southwestern salad. And she looked at me, she said, we're not selling that anymore. It doesn't sell. And I'm like, so I said, so the only thing, and I got a little annoyed. I, I, said, I said to the young girl, which wasn't her fault. I mean, she's not McDonald's, if you will. Yeah. I said, I said, so, I said so the only thing you guys have here is, you know, the stuff that's high in fat and cholesterol. And I said, well, thank you anyway. And, and I left and, I, and, yeah. I, and it kind of, and it's, it, it, it highlighted to me the lack of choices yes that my community that I work in had with regards to getting you know fresh fruits and vegetables farmers markets if you yep. will um you know picking up those nice you know that nice fresh spinach and the broccoli and the carrots um mm -hmm. you know I could go on and on with stories uh you know I had a one patient the child was five years old and I noticed that her body mass index and that's how we measure you know the level of the amount of fat relative to your height and your weight and what have you her yeah. body mass index was getting a little high so you were talking about eating so I'm saying to the parents okay so when you go into the grocery store and you know you pick up your broccoli you know you can steam broccoli blah yeah. blah blah and I noticed that the parents were looking at me with this strange look on their faces and finally I said to them what's wrong and they said to me we don't buy fresh broccoli <laughs> and I'm like okay so now I knew we had to now roll the conversation yeah. back I took this as a given that everyone picks up 
fresh fruits and vegetables when they go into the market. And they did not. They went no. right past, you know, oftentimes when you go into the supermarket, the produce is the first section. You have to yes, walk through the produce to get to the frozen stuff. Yep. They were walking through the produce to get to the frozen dinners yep. and all of that. It's like, okay, we're going to stop in produce. We're going to pick up a couple of p- potatoes, yeah. you know, some onions, some broccoli. And, his, and so it, you have to roll that conversation back. Yeah. It can be kind of difficult when, as a provider, you're only allowed 15 minutes per patient, yep. you know, <laughs> trying to get yeah. all that information. And so that's when you start, you know, trying to um, uh, recommend and, and, and send people to various websites where you know that they're going to get some helpful information. Absolutely. Same, same thing with growth and development, you know, uh, un, unrealistic uh, or, or unknown expectations of what to expect that a child can do at a certain age, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'll have patients coming in who say to me that the, the four month old, she's not crawling yet. Well, no, <laughs> she's four months old. She's not going to be crawling yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I send them to, you know, there's a website and the CDC puts out a lot of a wealth of information also that's very helpful to parents. And it's called Mile Tracker, the Mile Tracker website that's put out mm-hmm. by the CDC. It's an app that you can just download to your phone. You put in your child's name and birth date and they'll, they will tell, they will guide you along. Oh, okay, Susie is now six months. She should be rolling over stomach to back. She should be mm-hmm. reaching and pulling things, putting it in her mouth. Yeah. She should be babbling things such as that. So trying to impart those type of resources to our parents so that they're educated too. It's a matter of really educating, communicating, mm-hmm. uh, and, and keeping that though, those lines of communication open as much as possible and instilling that trust, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, great yeah. information. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, you are challenged as a provider with 15 minutes to do the health, the, the health education. And so, like you said, that's where it's important to point, point people to resources like mm-hmm. healthychildren.org. Um, and just to throw some statistics on the rate of obesity in the Black community. So according to the Office of Minority Health, uh, mm-hmm. which is umbrellaed under the Department of Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. the statistics as of 2016, you know, the government is a, a little bit high a little, mm-hmm. a lot of the times. But, <laughs> but we but, can see it, can't we? I can see yeah. it in my office. I, you don't have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the uh, percentage of obese children and adolescents age six mm-hmm. to 17. Mm-hmm. For non-Hispanic Blacks was 23.5%. For mm-hmm. non-Hispanic Whites was 15.5%. Yeah, so, look at so that. So quite a, a difference um, between, you know, our white counterparts in the rate of obesity and, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the, the infant and that prenatal, you have to start with a pretty strong foundation in health mm-hmm. because life is life comes at you. You have environment, yeah. you have genetics, you have lifestyle choices, you have multiple things going into your health outcomes, but mm-hmm. you're more likely to be, you know, start the race strong. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Because if you don't, like I said, that brain development that takes place in those first two years of life, if that doesn't happen, it's not going to happen at age 10. So now you've got the learning mm. disabilities, you've got the, the the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, the learning disabilities, the, the cognitive delays, mm-hmm. those because of, you know, nutritional deficits that occurred early in life so that you yeah. can get that full brain development that, you know, we, 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 want, to, we want to see. Um, and you're so right. It impacts all the way down the line. You know, yeah. even when we talk about not just with nutrition, but what we call in pediatrics, adverse childhood events 
ACEs, mm -hmm. if you will, adverse okay. childhood events where children are uh, uh, exposed to trauma early in life, okay. domestic violence, if you will, or violence on the streets, gun violence, gun yeah. violence in our community, out of control, okay? Yeah. You lose your brother, you lose your dad, you lose your mom to gun yeah. violence, or there's domestic violence in the household. Those are adverse childhood events that can lead to, again, the depression, the anxiety mm -hmm. uh, that we see um, uh, within adolescents that impairs their ability to do sound decision-making, uh, you know, to be able to strive to be the best that they can be when they become adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's a good segue yeah. into yeah. the topic of mental health for teens. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing it younger and younger and um, in more extreme cases of the depression and the anxiety actually yeah. um i don't recall her name but there was a big social media discussion this week a girl posted a suicide note to her mom mm. and she was like a beauty queen cheerleader i think she went to an hbcu don't quote me but that was mm. over the weekend um, and then she was found in a lake. And so you, mm. you see the suicide rate. We have the homicide rate, which is yeah. one thing, um, which is, you know, somebody killing another person. But then we also have, you know, su mm. the suicide rate Correct. has right. been climbing yes, for, for Black youth of all ages. And mm -hmm. it, it feels like they're getting younger and younger. And a lot of mm -hmm. that is tied to that depression and that anxiety, like right. you said, George Floyd, uh, mm -hmm. police brutality. And then right. let's not even talk about social media. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's a, that's oh. a whole, that's a big oh. one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, and trying to counter that. And especially with adolescents, because you know, you can try to control the screen time and you can control screen time for the the uh, toddler, the, the preschooler, the, the school age, the, um, the elementary school age child. But once you start getting into middle school and high school, it's very difficult to control that screen time because by then you've given your child a cell phone yes. um, they, you, because you want to be able to get in touch with them. I remember with my own kids, they got, they, they got their first cell phones when they were in middle school because that was during the time when we no longer had sitters, nannies, this, that, and the other. Yep. So we were going to give you a little bit of autonomy, but rest assured, mommy wanted to be able to contact you. So yeah. you have this phone. So it gives them opportunity to enter into realms that we as parents would not even be familiar with, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram. And I do believe there was a study a couple of years, not even maybe about a year or so ago about Instagram. And yeah. now they're seeing that Instagram uh, was adversely affecting a good percentage of young young females not just oh, yeah. not just black not just black but black and white yeah. um, you know this this body image um of, of what you know what beauty is and and everyone's living a better life than i am and everyone has this exciting life which you know we we all know it's a facade yep. we're old <laughs> enough to, to know and understand that but that impressionable mind of an adolescent uh yeah. they're not able to to process that the way we will and put it in what we call perspective you put that in perspective as you look at it they're not yeah. able to do that and so that too can lead to senses of low self-esteem why am i not yeah. like kim kardashian you know just yeah. nonsense you know and, and so it's really fighting the noise if you will trying to fight that noise and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and having them put all of that noise you know in perspective because again those adverse childhood events again, can lead to the depression and anxiety that we see uh, later on in life. Um, and, and, and so what happens is we as pediatricians, we're trying to transition healthy young adults over to our adult 
co colleagues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always possible, but if we can at least identify those issues yeah. uh, as they move into adulthood that need to be addressed and ensure that that transition is a good transition to a health yeah. and adult care provider that we're familiar with who's also sensitive to issues that, that are, are, are of concern to us, um, we can ensure that it's more seamless and that we keep that, that patient engaged in their own health care, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's key being engaged in mm -hmm. our own healthcare. And the mm -hmm. earlier we can do that, the mm -hmm. better. So mm -hmm. that you have those habits. And it, it just, it doesn't feel like a task. Correct. It doesn't feel like a chore. It just, you- Lifestyle. Live. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it. It's your lifestyle. It's just living. It's You're a given. Living. It's a given. Mm -hmm. It's a yep. given. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, with mental health among our adolescents, um, we also run into the problem of not having enough mental health providers, if you will. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have certain resources like in New York State, we have what we call a project, uh, project teach uh, in which uh, it's a real government resource. And mm -hmm. uh, we as primary care providers can actually reach out to this resource uh, to get some guidance in terms of helping to manage some of some of our patients who have simple mental health illness, you know, illnesses, if you will, that we may be able to do in some way uh, handle it prior to their getting to a mental health uh, uh, provider simply because there's such a shortage. And they will be able to also give us referrals to certain uh, providers who do have some availability. So that has been a big help. Uh, but there is a, a true shortage of mental health providers nationally, not just in yeah. the New York area where I am. And yeah. then when you talk about the whole uh, uh, issue of a lot of parents, and I don't blame them, you want to find a mental health provider who looks like you. Yes. Who, where you can have some of that relatability. So trying to find those African-American behavioral health specialists can be even more daunting. And, it's, and yeah. it is difficult. And it changes from day to day, week to week, month to month. So it's very difficult to find those African-American uh, mental health providers who are available. So if you know of yeah. any in this area, Ray, please let me know. Because <laughs> I yep. always try to keep a little list, you know, uh, so that yeah. I can refer my patients. Because I often refer my, face, my patients to mental health facilities, and I have a list of those. But I can't guarantee them that they're going to see an African-American uh, behavioral health specialist. Right. And, they, and some of them specifically ask, and I can understand that because yeah. you need that relatability when it when it comes to mental health therapy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I remember when I was a young medical student uh, doing my, uh, I was in medical school and I was doing my psych rotation and it was at Kings County Hospital, which is down in Brooklyn, which is, you know, the inner city, if you know anything about New York, the inner city. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was a little young third year medical student and I'm following this, uh, I believe she was a psychiatrist. I'm following the psychiatrist. And it was an inpatient residential facility for psychiatric disorders for young males. So I don't have to tell mm. you the predominance of those residents were all African-Americans. So she yeah. was interviewing this one, one patient and I was sitting there listening to the interview. And so she said to the young man, so how do you like staying? And he said, I don't like it. So she said, <laughs> Well, why not? What's going on? So he said, the young man says to, him, says to her, well, everybody's bogarting my stuff. So she looked and she's like, bogarting your, you know, you could see her trying to figure out what does he yeah. mean by that? So finally, I'm sitting there, a little medical student. I turn around and said to her, he means that everybody's taking his things without permission. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? So it's even, you know, that lingo, knowing that slang, you know, oh, yeah. you, know you know, understanding, you know, you have to have that relatability, if you will. Absolutely. You even start doing that therapeutic intervention. You have to know yep. what the patient's talking about. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. I've been very blessed with a Black therapist. And okay. 
some stuff I don't even have to explain. So then we can get to the meat of it, the, the, the root of, you know, my challenges. And so it could be something as small as, you know, generally speaking, black family dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, well, this happened with this family member. And I was thinking like this way. And mm-hmm. she'll be like, oh, Yep, the black yep. family, blah, blah, yep. blah. Oh, and she, yeah. and she oh, knows, yeah. she stays yeah. up to date on, uh, you know, current events, for example, when I was going through uh, chemotherapy, uh-huh. and um, which is all physically daunting, mentally daunting, but I went sure. through it last year oh, in the middle of you. the pandemic. And so my wow. therapist is like, yeah, I'm a little bit more concerned about that Omarion variant than than your physical and just her knowing that black people were calling it the omarion not the omicron (laughs) (laughs) you know just those little things of just knowing the culture yeah 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 i feel you yeah 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 so it's it's like we we can't take those things for granted not at all ability because then it's like okay now i can relate to you it doesn't feel stiff I don't feel out of place with my own therapist. Yes. And, and I really yes. hope we get to a place where our black teens mm. can have those resources available, not just to relate to them on race, but mm. I can't relate to a 13 year old. I, I don't know what they're going through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A 13 year old. Try to pull back in your memory. What was I doing at this yeah. How was I feeling? I yeah. felt horrible and, when I got through it. Can I get this one through? You know, you, yeah. you, you try to, that's what you try to bring to the table. It's not easy. We all went through it. I got yep. through it and I want to help you get through this too. Yes. Yeah. And so, but the reality in as today is there, there's, I think only 2% of doctors are black and it's probably something like that for mm-hmm. therapists, counselors, you know, yes. social workers yes. and LPCCs. So knowing that there is a shortage, how can we as a community help our teens or how can parents help their our, the teens to get some mental health support, whether it's formal or informal? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So first of all, they, they, everyone should have a primary care provider. Uh, and you, know, <laughs> yeah, you gotta have that primary care provider. Uh, and I know that a lot of us don't, you know, uh, a lot of us don't even have health insurance. 10%, I think of the United, 10% of people, not just African-Americans in the United States do not have health insurance. So if it's 10% nationally, it's probably 15% for us. Yeah. Okay. Cause whatever the yeah. number is, is always a little bit worse when it comes to us. Yep. So, you know, making sure that we're voting for the right candidates who are going to ensure that we have affordable health care, that, you know, we're going to ensure that we have the, the CHIP programs, if you will. Those are like the Child Health Plus programs, you know, uh, assistance for parents, you know, of nominal yeah. needs for that so that their kids can have health insurance so that you have a relationship, a relationship with a primary care provider. Doesn't have to be a black one. Yeah. Could be, you know, whatever nationality, but someone who's caring and concerned and, you know, will help you navigate through all of this. So you want to have that that relationship with that primary care provider so that when you begin to see, you know, mental health changes going on within your child, that they can direct you toward resources and, and, and talk about some sort of um, interventions that you can do or some strategies that you can use to help maybe sort of mitigate, you know, the, 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 the adverse outcomes that can come from this. Yeah. Uh, that's the first step. Um, communities ensuring that, you know, you're involved in community organizations, your church, if you will, you know, 
getting your children oh, yeah. involved in positive, you know, sports. And, and again, when you talk about a lot of our communities, our inner city, city communities, we don't have the organized sports. Children can't even go out and play like they, you know, because you're afraid of the gun violence, you know, yeah. stray bullets and things such as that, which yeah. again, gets into that vicious cycle. I don't get any exercise. I'm not eating healthy. My BMI is at the 99th percentile. There we go. Yeah. So it's a it's, it's, it's a cycle. Trying to break that cycle. Trying yeah. to find safe havens where children can go out to play. Trying to, um, you know, be involved politically in terms of ensuring that, like I said, we 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 elect and vote for those candidates that we know are committed to those values that oh, we yeah. want. You know, oh, cleaning yeah. up our communities, ensuring that there's no environmental racism where our community doesn't become the dumping ground for the lead and the water and all yep. of that. You know, ensuring that those things are, are happening. So it's it's a, a multi-pronged effect from, from so many levels. Mm -hmm. um, you know, parents coming together to form organizations, staying involved in the child's school, seeing what type of after-school programs are, are available. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the things that we have to do as a community to try to, to support our children. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. My, uh, in my rearing, my mom always was like, you'll play an instrument, you'll play oh, yeah. a sport. I was too busy and tired to get in too much. I got in a little bit. I was still a teenager. Yeah. yeah. But um, those activities, you know, the rec center, anything, the church, what some something that is structured, like Correct. you said, can help to break that cycle. And usually right. you can find something free at the rec centers or, Correct. you know, the community resources, the church, and mm -hmm. just make sure our kids are involved because it is something that can help break up the cycle. If you have strong social networks, if you right. have strong relationships right. and positive right. environments, right. to be a Black teenager, right. um, hopefully you'll be healthier physically Correct. and right. psychologically right. The, and kind of break up you know that cycle that you talked about right and i'm not saying that this is easy you know it's not very well it's not easy at all because some of our moms you know are single parents they're working long hours oh yeah so these kids are left to their own devices you know and when i always say my 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 little cliche, idle hands is a devil's workshop. You know, when kids are not busy, that's when they start thinking of dumb things to do. Yep. So, you know, trying to find those resources, that support group. And I'm always, you know, inquiring with that with my patients, you know, is there anyone else around who can help you? What is your, what is your, your village, if you will? Oh, you yeah. Know, so true. The, the village, you have to try to see about having that village around you as much as possible. Absolutely. But also, you, again, Politically, we have to ensure that we're getting the right candidates in place to be committed to uh, helping us, you know, strengthen up our neighborhoods, if you will. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. My sister always says, as Black people, we cannot afford to not be political. Oh, yeah. We, we have to be political. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got yeah, we have right. to learn oh, yeah. what these candidates are about. Are yeah. they is there, are they going to help strengthen the black community yeah. or will they help maintain status quo or will they be harmful to the black community? Because yeah. we can't just go with status quo and no. just and just you know, let it ride. We can't yeah. do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, just from the issues that we brought up here with this discussion. Right. Yeah. You know? healthy eating, you know, these food deserts, uh, you know, safe havens for children can run and play without worrying about getting shot. Yeah. Turning on your faucet without worrying about lead in your water. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Big, big things. Yeah. 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 
I think a good place to uh, Dr. Shepard, that's it's not easy, like you said, but a good place for us to start is to just become more aware. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, you mentioned food deserts and sometimes it's hard to convince people that that is even a real thing in our own community. And so um, I would encourage people to take a look open our eyes, just take a look around and look at, you know, Kroger, Giant Eagle, Publix, whatever grocery store that you shop at in your inner city areas. And then take take a Saturday and drive out to the suburbs and mm-hmm. see what types of products they have, what, yeah. what foods they have, the setup of the store. Right. I bet you it's different. It's a big difference. You know, uh-huh. yeah, that that produce section in a lot of our stores is a lot smaller. And oh yeah, well, nobody buys it. Well, you know what? It's got to be promoted. It has to be promoted. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, uh, farmers markets. There's no farmers market that comes to Hillside Avenue. You know, on the weekend, so people can come get nice, nice, fresh, juicy tomatoes and things yep. such as that. You don't see it. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and if we have healthy recipes, share them with your friends, yes. your coworkers, your cousins. Yes. Um, like my mom makes greens without, she's learned how to make greens without pork years Correct. and years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're really good. Mm-hmm. And so I yep. think that's where we, we're struggling sometimes is, okay, so I got this big old heaping thing of fresh broccoli. First of all, how do I cut this up? you know what i mean uh and then how do i prepare it and make it tasty because food is a big part of our culture we like to eat good that's right that's like my 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 patient when i was talking about the fresh broccoli saying you buy the broccoli then you cut it up they said you put steam it and make it nice and so and they were looking at me like i was nuts and it's like like i said i had to roll it back it's like okay let's talk about how we buy broccoli and what we do with broccoli and how the nutrients that are in broccoli oh yeah you know, it was it was foreign to them, a fresh vegetable. They said to me, literally, the only time we have broccoli is when we get our beef with broccoli from the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. And it was true. That was the only time though that child was getting broccoli when it was covered in some some sort of sauce that was yep. high in fat and cholesterol. Yep. It's like, oh my God. You yes. Know, you know, yes. some chicken that was, you know, coated, breaded, coated and fried and put with this. Oh, and it was just, I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one, I was talking with a friend the other day, um, a really good friend about juice. Oh. And and the difference between soda, mm-hmm. juice, and drink. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and yeah. very early on, I knew that that orange drink yeah. is delicious, but it is not juice. And so no, it is not. He was like, well, I'm going to come off the soda. And I was like, but that juice is a problem yeah, yeah. too. And right. it, a big part of it is we think, oh, I'm drinking orange juice or right. orange drink. Right. That, it's not soda. It's better. And I'm like, actually, juice and soda can hit us the same way because of the way it's prepared in America. And we right. put so much sugar in it. Correct. I was like, you, you got to let that juice go too. Right. <laughs> and that's one of the things I try to impart to my young mothers. You know, juice, juice, the babies are drinking juice, 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 juice all day long and in a bottle. And so they're toddling around swinging on this juice bottle, you know, so this this constant layer of sugar is on the child's teeth. So then you begin to get what we call nursing bottle syndrome. You open the mouth and these Mm. front teeth, the incisors, they're rotted away. They're rotted away, you know, And, and so trying to. You know, and, and, and the child is now 18, 20, 24 months, 20, you know, two, three. Teeth are, teeth are gone. 
those yeah. teeth that were supposed to last them till they're six years old yeah. are little nubs. They rotted away. So I'm always, you know, counseling, no juice. If you're yeah. going to have juice, maybe once a day, drink it up and that's it. The rest yep. of the day, water. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, a glass of milk here or there, uh, depending on your age, if you're over two, it should be low fat milk, under two, whole milk. Yeah. Um, you know, imparting that is so important because parents will juice it all day long. The little yep. juice boxes, the little Capri Suns, all of that. No, no. You yeah. got to cut all of that back. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. For sure. So before we wrap up, Dr. Shepard, I always like to ask my guests a few standard questions. And the first one is, what does wellness mean to you? What does wellness mean to me? Okay. So, you know, there's two wellnesses, I think. There's the individual wellness, and then there's a community wellness, which we sort of touched upon, if you will. Yeah. So individual wellness, as we said, starts from the womb. Starts from starting out with a healthy mom who was eating correctly, healthy baby, um, given all of the nutrients and and um, you, you know the the care and the nurturing and the love, the support, the stability and consistency yeah. that you need to grow and thrive. Uh, you know, having a safe neighborhood where you can get exercise without the fear of, you know, being harmed, uh, quality education, uh, gaining that knowledge that you need to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, we eating healthy is, like you said, not a choice, it's just a given. This is just how we eat. You know, it's like, yeah. you, know, you look at someone who's eating this, uh, you know, weird looking stuff that's all with the food dyes and it's like alien to you. It's like, oh, how can you eat that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, you know, mentally healthy, you know, good coping skills. And that comes from being nurtured and, 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 and having that love and support of that family, that village, if you will, so that when you do come upon adverse events or, 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 or negative things, or something negative happens to you, you have the coping mechanisms and the skills to be able to overcome it and still continue to thrive. That is wellness to me, staying okay. healthy mentally and physically. Yeah. Now, the, the community wellness is having that community that enables you to do that. It's a safe community. There's open spaces for running and jogging and, yeah. and, and, and organized sports for children. The water uh, supply is not contaminated, okay? Uh, gun violence is, is, is not a reality, okay? Yeah. It's, our streets are not um, seeming like we're in Ukraine or something, you know, where we're in the middle of a war because we're, yeah. we're in the middle of wars ourselves in some of our communities. Um, that, are, that kids can feel safe. Um, that's wellness to me. Yeah. Know, and having access to proper health care to people such as myself and my colleagues, you know, having that access so that you have resources when things are going awry or health issues do come up, that you have uh, the resources, that you have uh, places yeah. to go where you can get the proper care. Yeah, that's well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I like how yeah. you broke that down between individual wellness and community wellness. Mm -hmm. My next question for you, Dr. Shepard, is why is Black health literacy important? And you touched on it a little bit, but just maybe in, in you know, top three reasons why Black health literacy is so important. Well, I mean, it's about the future of Black America. Okay, that's what it's about. I mean, you know, that's why Black health literacy is so important. Uh, Black America we need to try to be as strong and healthy and as knowledgeable as possible. So being literate about our health, being literate about those things that are good for you, those things that are bad for you, being literate about 
something that we didn't touch on, vaccines. Overcoming that fear and that hesitancy about vaccines, okay? And how important that is to our community to prevent us from getting those diseases that can lead to death and debilitation. Yeah. I mean, we have to be knowledgeable, if you will. And Mm -hmm. so literacy uh, brings you the knowledge the education and the understanding of what this is all about, okay? Um, Being literate, you know, we've always had, as Black Americans, it's it's, it's our relationship with the standard healthcare was rocky, and it's still rocky. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, there was, you know, everyone talks about the Tuskegee experiments and things such as that, and there are other issues. I mean, there's a a great book um, called Medical Apartheid, if you will, written Mm -hmm. by Harriet Washington, fabulous book i mean and it, it really breaks it down you know you know people who they consider the icons really were you know not an icon for us and actually we were used to, for the yeah for the, them to become icons it was what the at the expense of our bodies if you oh will. yeah so yeah. understanding that but yet saying i'm not going to uh reject the the medical advances that have been made yeah, you know, and have been made at the expense of the blood of of African Americans. I'm yeah. not going to reject those medical advances because this can now improve my life. Yeah, okay, improve my health, improve my well being, so that we're strong. You know, political uh, part, uh, you know, of this community that you yeah. know of of the whole you know United States of America that we are a viable part of the United States of America. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not to be taken for granted. We're not to be sort of pushed to the side. Oh, you know, yeah. the black community is a problem community. No, we are not. Yeah. We are not. Yeah. And that comes from being literate in terms of your health, understanding your health, understanding mm-hmm. the whole aspect of mental and physical health. Right. Right. I am definitely going to pick that book up. I just did a mm-hmm. quick Google search. Mm-hmm. It looks like she has a couple of other books. Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check her out. Medical so Apartheid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by Harriet Washington. So mm-hmm. if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, follow the progression of your career, how can people find you and learn more about you? Well, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm Dr. Beverly Shepard. I'm with Advantage Care Physicians of New York. Uh, you can find me through there. Uh, you know, I have a, my email, you know, is, um, what am I, ACP, B, Shepard B at acpny.com. So reach out to me. Um, and uh, yeah, I am available. All right. Well, yes, please follow Dr. Beverly, connect with her. Um, and I hope that everyone found this episode enjoyable and informative. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you so much. And you have a good and pleasant day. You too. Okay, and take care now, Ray. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember that the Black Health Lit podcast episodes will be released every first and third self-care Sunday of each month. To stay connected, you can find Black Health Lit on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Black Health Lit. Let's keep the conversation going between each episode on social media with the official hashtag BlackHealthLit. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Music or Spotify so that you can stay up to date and travel on this journey to reclaiming our health.